Section 14 of A Minor War History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. A Minor War History by Martin Alonzo Haynes. Letter 47. Camp Beaufort, Charles County, Maryland. March 23, 1862 not a mail has reached us since last monday the government has chartered all the boats within reach for troop transports and none can be spared for sideshows two expeditions have passed here this week yesterday about thirty large steamers went down the river these fleets carried parts of heintzelman's corps and have probably gone down below aquia creek and landed we are now a part of this corps and will probably be the next to move as soon as the steamers can go back to washington and coal up we will have to make pack horses of ourselves when we do go are to carry sixty extra rounds of ammunition in our knapsacks and will be equipped with some new-fangled french tent this tent is in four pieces each man to carry a piece and when put up it only makes a screen from the dew and the sun, being open at both ends. I talked yesterday with a contraband who ran away from the rebels over in Virginia. He says they are fortifying at Fredericksburg, a place about twenty miles from Aquia, and about thirty from here. Very likely that is where we will first run into them, and it will probably be a hard place to take as they have a great many guns in position there and a large force of soldiers james o adams was here a few days ago we had a good time together that evening now comes the best joke of the season general nagley is very unpopular thoroughly hated by everybody from highest to lowest i said so frankly in a letter which farnsworth published then halifax broke loose I don't know how the matter ever got before the War Department at Washington, but it did. And the first thing Farnsworth knew, he got a communication from Washington that scared him stiff. He showed it to my folks, and I guess they went wild, expected me to be taken out at sunrise and shot for high treason. The first intimation I got was in a hysterical letter from my mother that I could hardly understand. Then, in a day or two, John Kenny came down from the hospital and said Harriet Dame wanted to shake hands with the private soldier that the War Department had to sit up and take notice of, showing that headquarters here had some orders in relation to me. I don't know what was in either of the communications, but the folks at home need have no fear of anybody in Hooker's division being very severely disciplined for voicing the universal sentiment in regard to General Nagley. Nine o'clock in the evening. You will not hear from me again for some time, probably, as it is given out that the advancing troops shall not write home. The chaplain says the nine o'clock mail tomorrow will be the last one out of here. I have eight letters to write tonight. Closing up my correspondence for the present. End of letter 47. Letter 48. Camp Beaufort, Charles County, Maryland, April 3rd, 1862. 
I have just learned, late at night, that a mail is going out tomorrow morning. It is getting to be very exasperating, these orders to leave, and then having them countermanded. We expected to get off today, and now the announcement is that we are certainly going tomorrow. The transports have been ordered, and temporary piers built to load us from. Captain Bailey has just got along with a batch of recruits. Don't know yet how many acquaintances I have in the lot. One of Company E's men, Luther W. Fassett, was shot by rebel scouts yesterday, on the other side of the river. The company was over there digging up a big gun which the rebels had buried. He was sent back for some shovels, when three rebels stepped into the road and shot him. He had a brother in the same company and a wife and child in New Hampshire. End of Letter 48 Letter 49 In Camp Before Yorktown, Virginia Monday, April 14, 1862 A mail is going out, I am told, at three o'clock, and it is nearly that time now. We left our old camp, with all its really delightful associations, the day after I last wrote you, and were on the steamer two days and two nights before she cast off from the pier. When we got to Point Lookout, at the mouth of the river, a wild gale was blowing, and it was not considered prudent to proceed down Chesapeake Bay, the South America being a crazy old riverboat and overloaded. So we ran in and tied up at the wharf, and almost everybody went ashore. It was a seaside summer resort out of season, and we took possession. We made ourselves very comfortable in the cottages. There were good fireplaces and plenty of wood, and though it rained great guns and the gale howled most of the time, we were dry and warm and made ourselves very comfortable there for three days, but became pretty near starving before a boat got down from Washington, bringing us something to eat. The boys gave it a very appropriate name, Camp Starvation. When we got away, we went straight to Fortress Monroe. We got there in the morning, just as the rebel ironclad Merrimack came out from Norfolk. The harbor was cleared of shipping in double-quick time. The Monitor and other war vessels moved up, and we thought there was going to be another big naval battle. But there wasn't, and the old South America pulled out and ran up to the York River. There is now a tremendous army before Yorktown, as well as in it, and there will be a great battle. We have got the largest train of siege artillery ever brought together, and they have got some very strong forts and batteries. Our guns will be in position and open on the rebels before this letter reaches you. There is skirmishing every day. Burden's sharpshooters are making themselves the terror of the rebels. They have some wonderful marksmen, and firing from little pits dug well out towards the rebel works, they make it mighty interesting for the rebel gunners. In some of the rebel batteries, it is as much as a man's life is worth to attempt to load the guns. The instant he shows himself near the muzzle, one of Burden's men gets him. Some of them use telescope rifles. At some points, the rebels put up planks to screen themselves while working the guns. 
I was a little acquainted with one of the sharpshooters who was killed a few days ago, John Ide of Company E, a New Hampshire man from Claremont. End of section 14. Recording by John Brandon.